Welcome to the Faith, Health, and Home Digital Podcast. I am your host, Makeba Giles. Here we share information and resources for physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being to help families live an inspired lifestyle and encourage healthy living. Thank you for joining us. Best-selling author and world-renowned grief expert David Kessler has taught physicians, nurses, counselors, police, and first responders about grief and has led talks and retreats for those experiencing grief worldwide. But after the accidental death of his son, Kessler felt called to revisit the five stages of grieving. The result is his latest book, Finding Meaning, The Sixth Stage of Grief, where he reveals a stage of grief that gives hope and healing that can often be found. I am pleased to and honored to have with me now David Kessler. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, it's so good to be with you. Thank you for making time for that. Absolutely. Now, first, David, as the world's foremost expert on grief, you've not only counseled thousands of people, but you've also written several best-selling books on grief. Now, your new book, Finding Meaning, was actually inspired by your own personal experiences. Tell us a little more about that. Yeah, I had written uh, for a number of years and worked with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who was the person who brought us the five states of grief. They are denial, anger, bargaining depression, and acceptance. And we always tell people they're not linear, they're not a map, you don't have to do them in a certain order. And then, as you mentioned, a few years ago, my own son died, my younger son. And after his death, I just wanted more than acceptance. I wanted to find meaning in his life. And that's what this new book is. It's about finding meaning after the person has died. Absolutely. Now, um, when you talk about finding meaning, tell us how does the practice of finding meaning in grief serve as a key to post-traumatic growth? Well, it's certainly a cushion. You know, I always tell people meaning doesn't take away the pain, but it's in addition to the pain. And I'm so glad you mentioned the post-traumatic growth. You know, we live in the world talk about post-traumatic stress, but we don't talk about post-traumatic growth enough. And that happens even more. I think sometimes when people first hear meaning, they think there's no meaning in the death. And they're right, there isn't. But meaning is what we do after the death. Absolutely. Now, um, within your book, you share a roadmap with dealing with specific challenges um, that may occur in grief, such as illness, child loss, addiction, and suicide. Um, We all know someone who has dealt with one of those or even more of those types of losses in their lifetime. So tell us from your own experience, how have you found that these specific losses um, tend to be a little different or even more difficult to deal with than others? Well, certainly the book is filled with people who have stories about their spouse dying and finding meaning, their sibling, their parent dying. But there are certain cases when there's death by suicide, addiction, a, um, uh, a loss, a son loss that we didn't see coming. But they're, they're even more challenging because our mind didn't have time to prepare. So sometimes dealing with those can be more challenging than we're often left 
a bunch of what ifs and if only or maybe I should have. And so those can be more challenging. So I really try to, in the book, help people deal with all that residue that gets left behind in those more challenging laws. I always say, you know, when people ask me, which is the worst law, I always say your law is the worst law for what you are having to deal with. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, even in dealing with that, you can have losses that happen back to back or, you know, within the same year, within the same month. So, yes, that's definitely um, something that is important to discuss. Now, um, you talked about the feelings of um, should have, would have, could have, or as you call it, survivor's guilt. Um, that's something that can develop, as we know, in a lot of different ways. Uh, we always feel that if I could have, I could have done this and I should have done more, and if I had, they'd still be alive today, as you said. Um, what advice do you have for those who are struggling with that type of guilt to work through their emotions in order to move forward? Well, you have to remember, and it's very hard to do, to understand that it is tragic and it's sad, and we have to fully grieve that their life is over and to recognize their life was so precious. We often think, if only it was me, I should have died first. That's the survivor's guilt. But if their life was precious, so was ours. And we have to move from the why did they die to the how are we going to move forward now that they have died. And that's a real challenge, and that's why I try to give some things in the book to help. And one of the things I also do is I also included uh, anyone who gets the book can go to sixstage.com. And I have a free companion class there for anyone who gets the book because it is hard to work through the survivor's guilt, the what if, all those feelings. Indeed. Now, um, you also, in talking about processing the grief, which we just talked about, um, in your book, you also discuss the role that our thoughts play in processing that grief and moving forward, particularly when it comes to messages that we repeatedly tell ourselves in our minds about our loss. Um, share more about how we can rewire our thoughts to transform the original meaning of our grief into a new meaning that's more positive and empowering. Well, think about that idea of it would be so nice if after we've had a devastating loss, if our mind would say to us, oh my gosh, you've had a devastating loss. I'm here for you. I'm going to be extra compassionate. That would be great. But the reality is sometimes what our mind does and goes, well, no wonder they died on you. Well, you should have done this. You could have saved them. Everyone dies on you. Our mind can be so cruel. So one of the things we can do is we get so used to telling the story and talking about the end of their life. And early in grief, we want to tell that story. That story is important. But at a certain point, we also don't just want to tell the story of the end. We want to tell the story of their middle. We want to share good stories about their lives. And sometimes we really have to practice our mind doing that. 
It can be a hard thing to do. Um, I know that one of the things that I definitely struggled with was um, when my mother passed at 15. I was only 15 years old. And it was so difficult because of how it happened. Um, she passed during her sleep. So it was very difficult for me to, as you said, just take away that part, the end part, and that final day I had with her and transition that to the earlier times I had with her, the happier times and um, moments early on. So yeah, that is something that can be difficult to do and it does help to move into a new meaning and a more positive meaning. It really does help you to move forward. So um, definitely appreciate you talking about that in the book because that is extremely important. Now, I'm also in today's world of social media, we are seeing people from all walks of life deal with their loss of a loved one in many different ways, um, some of which can be toxic and even dangerous. Can you share your expert opinion on healthy grief processing versus unhealthy grief processing? And what can people do to shield themselves from being influenced by the unhealthy grieving practices? Well, it's interesting. You know, I always say we all come from a long line of dead people. All our ancestors have done it. Our soul, our psyche, our body is built for loss. We know how to do this. But in our modern world, people tell us to get over it, to move on, to quit thinking about it. And that's not realistic. And one of the things we do is we judge our own grief. We think we're doing it wrong. Or someone else judges our grief. They're either saying we're crying too much or we're not crying enough. And we just have to remember, we know how to do this. And those other people's opinions don't really matter. This is between us and our loved one. And so we have to just honor our own grief. Whether we're not crying or we're crying all the time or anything in between, don't judge your own grief. I think of grief as really a no-judgment zone. It truly is. And um, one of the things I heard that um, Tyler Perry said, producer Tyler Perry, is that he said that grief comes in waves and it comes in stages. So um, it may last for years. It may last for decades even. And you will have those moments where you're crying or, you know, one moment where you're just having memories of that person and you're very happy. So he, he touched upon that, how it comes in different waves and that can be reflected in all different ways. So you are correct in that, um, that there's no right or wrong way to um, grieve. Everyone's grieving process is different. Um, and lastly, David, the holidays are here and we all know that the loss of a loved one, it can hit hardest during this time of year. Um, this is especially true if the loss happened during the holiday season. Um, we see that all the time where someone loses a parent or a child or a spouse right at the holiday season. Um, tell us what are some things that people can do to ease their pain and sadness during the holidays and even as the years go on to um, instead of kind of anticipating that sadness for the holidays to kind of transition that so that they can really enjoy the season and honor that person's memory and move forward. Sure, and I want to go back to what Tyler Perry said for a moment. It is true, as you know, you know, we have a good day, we have a bad day. We have a good month, we have a bad month. But people will often ask me, 
how long will I grieve? And I'll say to them, well, how long is your loved one going to be dead? Because if they're going to be dead a long time, you're going to grieve them a long time. But that doesn't mean we'll always grieve with pain. We can in time grieve with love. And so as these holidays come, that's a time where even people who have had a loss that's brand new or a loss years ago suddenly get hit with their grief again or their grief gets very painful. And we want to think of ways we can honor that person who died. So, for example, we can tell a story about their life. We can share a favorite memory. We can light a candle in their honor. You know, grief doesn't need a lot of time, but it needs some dedicated time. We can go volunteer in their honor. We can, you know, tell someone we love them and appreciate the people who are here in their honor. There's so many things we can do. And we also tell people, you know, if, if the holidays are overwhelming, you have permission to say no. You can cancel a holiday. No is a complete sentence. You can say, no, thank you for the invitation. I'm not up to it this year. Or if you're going to go see family and you're having a tough time, you can have an exit strategy. You can walk in and just say, I'm only dropping by for a few minutes. And that helps you get out if you need to. But you might find if you feel permission to get out if you need to, you end up staying longer. And the last thing I tell people, if you're in grief and you happen to catch yourself laughing or having even a moment of joy, that's what your loved one would want for you. Our job in life is to fully grieve that person, but also to fully live again in their honor. Absolutely great advice there. And I love how you talk about um, doing things in their honor and doing things to carry on your loved one's legacy. And I know that's something that you touch upon in the book, um, to grieve with love. And um, it doesn't have to look like sadness and pain. It can look like an act of kindness, an act of service. That can be your way of honoring them and moving forward at the same time. So um, that's a, a good way to do that. I know that was one of the things that I did um, with my mom. She always sent out Christmas cards to everyone in the family. So after she passed, I took her address book and sent out Christmas cards to those exact same people. Some of the people I didn't even know. <laughs> they were her friends, you know, and her coworkers, but I still sent the card. And that was my way of not only, you know, grieving her at that time, but doing it in a positive way, a healthy way. And that was my way to grieve with love and to carry on her legacy. So, yes, excellent advice that you share there. And um, also, David, tell us. And, and, and I want to say about that. The other thing is, like, I have my father's watch. And I think about that as evidence that he lived. But I also have to remind myself, more than that watch, I am the living, breathing evidence that he lived. You are the living, breathing evidence that your mother was here. You are the story keeper. You are the memory keeper. And if we can remember that, that also becomes a cushion for us. Absolutely, absolutely. I tell people all of the time um, when they lose someone, look in the mirror because that 
is that person looking back at you that is your your loved one looking back at you everything that they gave you every moment every memory um, you carry all of that inside of you and you can take those things those lessons those memories and use them and and pay it forward to help someone else to serve someone else in your everyday life so yes absolutely um, agree with you on that and tell us David um, where else can people go I know you have tons of books on grief um, this latest book here finding meaning um, tell us what other resources that you have for us for people who may be um, struggling with getting through that loss and uh, finding joy in this holiday season well, if they go to grief.com, G-R-I-E-F.com, they'll see I have online classes and workshops and groups. By the way, no one is ever turned out so right the front. So if there's an online conference link that someone can't afford, I'm happy to get people in free. I've got lots of books. People can also go to holidaygrief.com and get a message about dealing with the holidays. So lots of resources at grief.com for folks. Perfect. Thank you so much, David. And again, you can find um, David's latest book, as well as all of his books, but his latest book, Finding Meaning, The Sixth Stage of Grief, at all major retailers and online. Um, you can also visit David's website, grief.com, for more tips and advice and classes to help you deal with your grief this holiday season and beyond. And also be sure to visit holidaygrief.com as well for that help that you need. Thank you so much again, David, for joining me. It's been a pleasure and an honor, and I want to wish you the best of holidays this season. Thank you. Right back at you, and so grateful to you and all your listeners for taking the time to do this. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Faith, Health, and Home digital podcast. For transcripts of this episode and others, visit our website at faithhealthandhome.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Thank you again for joining us.